Hey guys, just wanted to say a big thank you to our very first Patreon supporter. If you want to be like this person who is awesome, then you can head over to patreon.com slash scripture read badly and join the community. And you will not only get access to another podcast that we do called Scripture Discussed, but also a couple other goodies depending on how much you choose to contribute each month. We would love it if you wanted to do that. And even if you didn't, we still love you anyway. I hope you enjoy the show. This is Scripture Read Badly. A podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order. Attempting to avoid heresy and generally having a good time. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Welcome, everyone. Today's verse comes from Leviticus 8, verse 17. But the bull itself, its skin and flesh, and its dung, he burnt with fire outside the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. As we can see, this is God commanding Moses what meats need to be barbecued and which meats Mm. can be cooked inside. So beef has to be cooked on the barbecue, like everyone knows, in sausages, Mm. and shrimps are not supposed to be barbecued. Shrimps on the barbie is stupid. I'm Jeremy, and this is Scripture Read Badly. I'm Ryan, and today we are looking at Leviticus chapters 8 through 10, which are focusing on the consecration of Aaron and his sons, uh, the Lord accepting Aaron's offering, and then Aaron's sons getting absolutely smited. Not smitten, <laughs> smited. Smote. Smoten. Smote. Smote. Smoten. By the Lord. His, his kids got smote. Yes, his kids done got smote. That happened when the Lord did not accept their their offering. So, uh, it's a bit of a sandwich here with... Uh, nope, that's not true. That'd be like having the meat on the outside of the bread. That doesn't Yeah, that's work. the best kind of sandwich. <laughs> meat, bread, bread, bread. There we go. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. Open double face, crust. Double crust. Okay. Uh, great. So Leviticus chapter eight is, uh, I think it's been a long time coming. Uh, God said a lot of things to Moses on the mountain about how the priests should do things and what they should wear and where they should be and a whole lot of stuff about, uh, priestly goings on. And, uh, we finally see Aaron and his sons being consecrated in order to minister within the tabernacle. Uh, Aaron yep. was already anointed, but here is the consecration that allows them to, to do the tabernacle ministry. So um, we start off with a very short verse saying, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying... And then we move on to verse 2. Uh, that is a very short verse. I'm it glad is a it's short there. verse, yeah. And... Uh, there's actually a lot of verses like that throughout the Bible. I know that Ezekiel has a lot of them that say things like, the word of the Lord came to me, and that's a verse, and it happens like 70 times in Ezekiel. So uh, it's good to see that that uh, that continues in many of the other books as well. Uh, so it they continues go... in Leviticus from Ezekiel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what version of the Bible are you reading? <laughs> uh, the... Tomato sourced. <laughs> the tomato sourced version. Yep. Uh, but we... This week I've been discussing... Or a few weeks, in fact. 
in our lectionary and a few other things, when you look at Leviticus as a whole, it's like these two systems of uh, don't sin, here's my standards, and mm-hmm. but if you do sin, here's the system that you need to go through so that you can come back to me and relate to me. And this is for both parties, not just God's high standards, but people need to get rid of their guilt and people need to get rid of their um, internal conflicts. But it's funny that these verses are almost or exactly like God setting up a religious professional elite. Like these guys know how to do it and you Mm. don't. So you need to come to these guys to get this system done. Do you... (coughs) Is that what you would call the Levites? Like a professional religious elite? Yeah, I think so. That's... (coughs) It's obviously the the forerunner for the uh, the modern day pastor, in the sense that they are the the officials within the religion that, like you said, are kind of professional. That's what they do. It's their job, and so yeah, it makes sense that that is uh, they are the ones that are held to a higher standard, that are an example of interacting with God for everyone else. And not because they're better people, but because they've actually been given skills mm. and standards that other people haven't. But also, they haven't been given skills and standards that the other people have. Because if you think about it, when God was giving out the uh, the different inheritances, inheritances, he uh, <laughs> that's not a that's inheritances. not a inheritances. There's an extra T in the bottom of that word. Mm. I think it's underneath the word. Um, it's like a, a French C with a little cedilla underneath, but it's actually it, a T. Yeah, it's like the opposite of an umlaut. Yeah, exactly. The opposite of an umlaut. Uh, that sounds quite tasty, actually. Um, mm. All right. So what I was saying was when God was uh, calling the different tribes to do different things, the Levites were kind of the first ones they we see later on once they get to the promised land not to spoil anything the levites don't really get much in the way of an inheritance other than that they are given portions of the land from other tribes to minister in right as like a, a tithe of of their inheritance um so we can see that they are being called to a priestly lifestyle whereas other people are actually being called to be farmers and to be whatever judges and other legal officials and all these different occupations that god has already created by this point and will create in the future god actually has specific giftings for each tribe and as a result I imagine the Levites weren't that great at farming. They would be able to get by, but you'd want somebody from a different tribe that was known for their their farming to actually be the one to farm the crops, not necessarily the Levites. So, as in modern day uh, society, you have people that are actually called to be in some kind of a Christian ministry in some kind of capacity, like a pastor who their gifting is in the way of pastoral care and of 
teaching and instructing and caring and these very emotional and spiritual sides of things whereas you might have someone like a builder who isn't gifted in those areas but he can do almost anything when he has a hammer and a saw and a piece of two by four so well that rhymed <laughs> yeah but hammer i said a, a saw piece of two, two by, by four. four yeah oh. uh so what i guess what i'm trying to say is in today's society as back then different people not only have different gifts but they also have different areas of weakness or a lack of a gift that yeah. other people compliment them in that way we have an integrated society where people are actually helping each other with their own strengths so that everyone is strong together that's the yeah. ideal yeah everyone is strong together that should be like a michael jackson anthem or a high school musical song oh there you go that's We're much better okay um anyway so aaron and his sons what uh, what do you know about Aaron and his sons going into this? So prior to the events that happen in chapter 10, what do you know about Aaron and his sons and the reason that God chose Aaron as the priest over all of Israel? Wasn't he a priest from way back? Like, even before they went on their big trip? I think he was an elder, but I don't think he was a priest. I don't okay. think they had priests. I wonder if he was just a, a spiritual, in quotation marks, kind of guy, and everyone mm. thought he was a priest before he got the title. Right, They're so like, people... Whoa, you're close to God. Yeah, okay. I get that. And if he was, then his boys would have probably interacted with that all their lives. So they're like the Old Testament version of a pastor's kid. Yes, we do so also have to remember, though, that Aaron at this stage is 83 years old something like that so his sons are maybe in their 50s well that's a good pastor's kid or 60s yeah (laughs) not a pk until you get into your 50s that is (laughs) wow yeah but then i wonder if he's naturally a pastoral character if they Mm. were also naturally pastoral characters and Mm. so when that exodus 18 stuff comes out that elders are supposed to do justice if they were a part of that eldership structure because they would have been pretty wise you would hope I'm just looking for one of those tools that gets dirt out of your nails and I don't think my desk has one I'm going to have to clean my nails later Okay. and I wonder if they did before yeah before all of this stuff from God came down, mm-hmm. would they have had mentors and priests even before this? Because people would have had to have... I suppose it's the elders. Wow, my brain just went in a circle. It's the elders <laughs> would have done the justice. So if you had a, right. a problem with someone to satiate guilt or being wronged, you would go to the elders. And so then, when the priest the came down... I think, were kind of like the heads of the households. So, you might have had an elder representative of each of the tribes. Jacob, yep. maybe with Aaron as the, the representative of the Levites. Yep. 
but I think once Moses came along and kind of took on the mantle of the leader, yep. I think they they saw that he had a special connection to God that they didn't, and maybe that was why they were hesitant to help out with the judicial system. Maybe they thought that they couldn't, that Moses yep. was the best one for the job. Maybe he kind of undermined them a little bit. Interesting. Made them question their own abilities and authority and wisdom, maybe? Indeed. Did you read anything about the sons before this? Uh, not them specifically, as I think their names are mentioned once before, but they aren't really focused on very much. It's all in relation to Aaron. Yep. But let's let's think about what we know about Aaron going into this then, because that will give us a good understanding of his sons and maybe their mentality going into this whole situation. So Aaron was the older brother of Moses. He was only older by a couple of years, I think, maybe three yep. years. So he would have been a young tyke at the time when Pharaoh ordered the death of all the babies. Yep. So he would have seen and heard many horrific things about these babies being slaughtered on the spot and that type of thing. Yep. Heck, maybe even his wife was uh, one of the girls that didn't get killed on the spot. Yep. Maybe. They would have seen her brothers. Yeah, exactly. And so he he would have known from a very early age, especially since Miriam, his sister, who I think is older, maybe, uh, or she's between them. Yeah. She has to be older. You have to think she's older. She wouldn't be yep. like a two or three year old kid following his basket along the Nile. True. So sh- she was probably five or six, or maybe even older. Maybe she was eight. This little eight-year-old girl that found Pharaoh's daughter finding Moses and said, Hey, I know a nurse. Do you need a nurse? And she good. And she good. Possibly the best. So then Aaron would have grown up with Moses in his household. So it, would, it wouldn't have been a... Or maybe not. Maybe his mum was just in Pharaoh's household. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Because... You've seen The Prince of Egypt, and you know that in that movie, God tells Aaron to go out into the wilderness. No, maybe he doesn't in the movie. Hang on, have I seen the movie? Yeah, you you have. It's the DreamWorks one, the 2D. Yeah, um, I must have seen it. Yes. Maybe in the movie he doesn't do that. But in the movie, they definitely meet, and he kind of has this weird moment where... I think Miriam says, no, he's our brother. And then Aaron goes, what? He's our brother? But I don't think it would have been like that. Because he would have seen Moses as a kid. And then, possibly, he would have witnessed Moses growing up in his house until he was old enough for the for Pharaoh's daughter to take care of him. Oh, so he yeah. might have been a teenager when Moses got taken back to Pharaoh's court. And then Moses grew up there for 30 years. Something yeah. like that. So he has he has a previous relationship with Moses. So it was kind of reestablishing that when God said, go into the wilderness and meet your brother Moses, you're going to be his spokesman. So then they 
reestablish this bond as old men, as 80-year-olds, when maybe yep. they hadn't seen each other since they were teenagers. So, uh, we don't know much about what Aaron was doing in the, the 40 years, but it makes sense that he would have been enslaved like everyone else. Yep. And I think it also mentions him among the elders when Moses uh, comes back to Egypt after being in Midian. So, Aaron was an elder... And you'd think he would be a very outspoken elder if God's going to set him up as a spokesperson. True, yeah. He would have had some kind of communication skills. That's good. Mm -hmm. But what else? What else do we know about him? Mm, He had a good beard because when the oil went down, it went on his beard. Mm. Yep, and that's like unity, isn't it? Psalm 130 three or something some 149 one yeah, of those later somewhere yeah it's definitely from the beard when people come together later. in unity it is like oil flowing down the beard of aaron something like that anointing oil and is that in this chapter when uh, they put yeah. the beard oil on yeah mm-hmm. classic so, beard oil yeah that's that's pretty cool so aaron to my understanding he had some kind of leadership capabilities and communication skills. But when God called him out of Egypt to go meet with Moses, that was God, uh, I guess, calling him above the others or to a different kind of life. Maybe if Aaron had said no to being Moses' spokesperson, and so he wouldn't have been as close to the, the plagues and the miracles, maybe he wouldn't have been put there as priest. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. But it also could have been that he was an elder in the tribe of Levite, so Mm. he just made him because he was the leader. But uh, I guess that's more important, that he got to see God close up and how he interacted with the people and how he was very... Uh, convicted about the death that Egypt was bringing and so he had to cut that off with these miracles mm-hmm. and he would have been out the front for the people to see too so then when God sets him up as the leader and the people grumble too mm-hmm. and then the rods hang on have we gotten to that part when the rods become flowers because everyone's uh, like you no. shouldn't be the leader alright that comes later I don't think so. sorry yeah. spoiler alert but so God highlights Aaron to the people multiple times and Mm -hmm. then highlights him as the leader of this system to bring back Mm -hmm. glory and goodness to the people. Yeah. Well, I was just looking at the blessings that Jacob said to all his sons before he died. And there isn't anything special about Levi in any regard. It just says Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Oh. Uh, let my soul come not into their counsel. Oh, my glory be not joined to their company. For in my in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. So these were the dudes that went after um, what's his face who raped his raped their sister Tamar. Oh yeah. So no Dinah, not Tamar. That's a different one. That's the, a different one. But that's interesting that then he becomes the face of the priesthood. Yes. For his name. I think think it's because of Moses. Okay. 
I think oh, if because it Moses wasn't was a part of that family. Yeah, Moses was a Levite. If it wasn't for Moses, I think the Levites might have had a similar role in the development of the nation of Israel that Simeon had, which was to say they were just one of the other tribes. They didn't have anything to necessarily make them stand out. But I think because Moses was called by God and he said yes to the call, and then because Aaron was called by God and he said yes to the call, as the representatives of the house of Levi, I think that was a... uh, I guess, a stake in the ground for them as spiritual leaders. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And, and then as Aaron is up front with Moses and he's talking about his life with his kids, I suppose mm-hmm. his kids would have seen all of that too and mm-hmm. heard about it. Yeah, and you and I know this as PKs, as pastor's kids. When something is happening in your father's or your mother's church in the community you know about it whether it's yeah, something even if good you're not or told directly bad. you just see exactly it. Mm-hmm. so you either you witness uh conversations that your parents have with different members of the congregation or you maybe witness that they are having these secret conversations with the elders or something like that so you know something's up so yeah. you're always kind of in the know, and as a result of being, uh, of your parent being in such a prominent position, I think there is a level of leadership and authority that gets naturally passed down to you, or that you emulate yep. in yourself. So maybe it's that Aaron's sons weren't necessarily the best people, and we see later that they they weren't, and we can draw our own conclusions about why that was. But maybe them just seeing their dad and their uncle, even as grown men, seeing their dad and their uncle as these, the the new face of the spiritual leadership in their nation, there would have been something in them that was able to emulate at least somewhat what they were seeing. Yeah. And, and you wonder, sometimes when you grow up in those kind of highlights, reels Mm -hmm. that you get a big head because you're like well my dad's famous and i should be famous so i have to do something new to get that fame and i wonder if his kids did that right like they understood that god had these principles and they were going to do them and they'd be trained in them but then in the back of their minds one day oh what if we tried this one thing that he told us or he didn't tell us to do and we could Mm -hmm. try it and see if we get our own name or Mm -hmm. we even progress society into a new thing and then God's like, no. Nope. Yeah, yeah. So there is there is that danger. Uh, I think with every child of a prominent person, whether it's within a church or within society at large, there is always that danger that the kids will take things too far. Yeah. Or maybe not emulate what they see enough. And it's I guess it's the uh, the challenge of parenthood in general. Whoever you are, your your kids have the potential to be better than you were or worse than you were. And all you can really do is your best and see what happens. The rest is between them and God. So uh, with Aaron and his sons, God apparently, uh, I don't think, ooh, I don't know if God knew 
or uh, was counting on them doing this wrong sacrifice. What I'm trying to say is, why did God allow them to be consecrated if they were going to turn around the next day and get destroyed because of offering a bad sacrifice or an unnecessary sacrifice? And you could read it as the predestination crowd would and say he used this to as a make lesson. an example of them mm. so that people would know what not to offer to God. Yeah. Like, look at these guys. They did this one thing and you shouldn't do it because he killed them. Or it could be because he didn't know and they were just heart of hearts and God just let them do it. Hmm. Because he would have known moments before they did it, even if you don't believe that much. Sure. Uh, but the end, oh, I don't know. Why didn't God just have an extra commandment with all these things that were laid out in the first seven chapters of Leviticus saying, you shall not make a sacrifice in these particular circumstances that these two men are about to do? Uh, and then because, and maybe he did like maybe that's hidden in the language that they're using to describe what happened right that when it says in fact what does it say it says something like inappropriate they offered unholy fire yeah unholy fire before the lord such as mm-hmm. he had not commanded them so if he said hey when you make me a sandwich i need mayonnaise on both sides of the bread and they just one day didn't put mayonnaise on one of the sides of the bread that's what he's talking about. Like, I said two sides of the bread and you didn't. Hmm, right. And that's a real flippant example. But if God says, use this specific incense and do it seven times around the room and they get out and they mm-hmm. do it an eighth or ninth because they like the smell, that's definitely not what he commanded. Right. But it is, um, yeah, I reckon we can kind of just skim through this. Um, so Aaron... Aaron and his sons are consecrated. They go through the washing ritual and a couple of other rituals in order to get them to the point where they are acceptable in God's sight. And Aaron makes a number of sacrifices, um, yep. throws some stuff on the body, but not shrimp. Mm, and not uh, shrimp. the Lord accepts it. And he says, this is good. I like the smell of this bull. It smells schmick and Mm, so mm, then mm. uh after bull and ram and ox and all these other things are sacrificed man it must have smelt so good yep delicious especially the dung yeah but then what's interesting about that is at the end of chapter 9 uh verse 22 It says, Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. So it's the blessing of the people after he's sacrificed a goat on their behalf. And so he's doing the priestly duties that is representing the people before God and doing so in a way that is acceptable to God. He blesses the people. uh, And then it says that Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting and when they came out, they blessed the people again. Said the Lord, the glory of the Lord, uh, and it said the the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering, and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. 
that would have been freaky as heck fire falling from the sky and burning up that meat and the fat so yeah but i wonder if that shouting is like whoa or like yeah boy right yeah whether they were actually afraid or whether they were in awe of the glory of god yeah Right, so then that is immediately, and my ESV study Bible confirms that it's the same day, followed up by Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. Um, Now, chapter 8, I believe, said that uh, it was all of Aaron's sons, who I think we take to be four in total. Um, Nadab and Abihu, who are two of Aaron's sons, took some... Uh, incense and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them so I think I think their sin here is that they did a completely unnecessary and in fact inappropriate in the moment uh, thing within the tabernacle and God had already said very specifically what to do in order to get right before them and I think what they were trying to do and we could read this as maybe insecurity or fear um, or maybe trying to be a bit of a suck up or a teacher's yeah. pet type of thing they they immediately went and did an extra thing it's like dressing up your assignment a little bit too much and putting too much glitter and sparkles where the teacher's like you didn't need to do this it's actually distracting <laughs> from the content of the assignment so i'm just gonna fail you which is it's a little bit extreme but i think i think that it's out of insecurity uh whether that is thinking that maybe they hadn't already done enough or insecurity in that they thought they could present themselves better towards god and do a better job as priests than god had asked them to do what are your thoughts on that? I am curious if they were there when God did the fire, because if I saw fire come out of the sky and eat or consume meat, it would it would fill me with so much awe and so right. much fear that I wouldn't even think about trying new things. Mm. Or anything at all. Like, I wonder if it's just the timing of the thing, too, that they went in when they weren't supposed to, or mm-hmm. if it's how they did it. And after watching their dad do so, so many specific things yeah. in front of the entire nation, what was going through their head? I th- Yeah, so I think God just had very specific standards of, if you sin, these are the things you need to do. Hmm. And these guys definitely did not. It's the same with... Oh, no, maybe it's not the same. But I wonder if it's similar to uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Is that what they're called? <laughs> the two they're the ones people that in the- kept the money for themselves. Yeah, and God wasn't... God didn't want them necessarily to give all the money. It was just that they said that they had given the money. Hmm. And so they were doing this extra thing that they didn't need to do. And it was inappropriate because it was deceptive. Yeah, I'm thinking of an example uh, from football, that is soccer, um, for our North American listeners. Uh, In 
football these days. It didn't used to be like this, but sometime in the last 20 years, there was a rule implemented that if you uh, scored a goal and then took off your shirt and swung it around your head or whatever, you immediately got either a yellow card or a red card or something like that. Whoa, what? Yeah, so I don't exactly know why it was brought in, but... It's this uh, penalty for celebrating too hard. Yep. Um, or, yeah, it, it doesn't really make sense, but I think in the moment, uh, maybe it just sets the team off. Maybe it makes a person frenzied. If they're caught up in the moment, they take off their shirt, they're just thinking, this is the best thing in the world, and it's either too distracting, takes too long to get everybody back in place, yeah. Or maybe it's just seen as inappropriate. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it would it would depend on who it was that took off their shirt and what they what their body looked like underneath. But yeah, it's just um, like a fat dad bod. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Boo, <laughs> put that away." Uh, no, but this this rule where you score a goal and then you take off your shirt or you celebrate by doing something like kicking the corner flag out of the the ground. Yeah. Uh, something that, if you're with your friends, would be completely fine. People might get annoyed that they have to put the corner flag back in, or that you took off your shirt and they're like, man, I'm jealous of his body, or something like that. But His sweet dad bod. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wants to look like Snorlax from Pokemon. Uh, yep, but definitely. It's, I think this is kind of what's happening here. I think it's that they did everything right and the glory of the Lord came upon the people and the fire came from heaven and people fell on their faces and shouted, probably shouted and then fell on their faces. Otherwise, their voices would have been all muffled, which would have been funny. Wow, did you see that? That's amazing. That was so good. But then they kind of go a little bit too far and take off their shirt while they're celebrating and offer this incense. And so then God is saying, guys... Yes, you did everything right and it was fantastic and that's what I wanted, but you just went too far. You didn't yeah. have to do that. I didn't want you to do that. And because of that, in order to keep this whole ceremony sacred and holy, I have to also consume these people that have sinned in my sanctuary. I yeah. think that's what's happening. Your thoughts? I just looked up the FIFA thing and it says removing one's shirt after scoring is unnecessarily and players should avoid such excessive displays of joy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that sounds like a good reason. Don't celebrate but, too yeah. hard. And I wonder if it's their platform too. Like because mm. they're famous and because they're the big wigs and they've right. done something wrong, God's like, no, nah, I'm not all about that. Yeah. Right, yeah. Because if they stayed in their position of authority within the the tabernacle then they may have continued these unnecessary or inappropriate practices for generations yeah mm. okay and even even if it's not them someone else would maybe be like oh this one leader back in the day he did this and it was pretty good and i wonder if this links in too when you have famous pastors in the modern day uh, not be taken out of their 
position after they've sinned or done something inappropriate in public. Right. And it's just uh, swept under the carpet. And I wonder if God is like, nah, just take them out. They've done something inappropriate in public. Well, why didn't they just receive a stone talking to? Why didn't God just tell them to not do that again? Yeah. Why did he have to kill them? Um, yeah, and I don't know the answer to that one. Do you have an answer to that one? No, I, I was, I genuinely just gave up. Oh, well, (laughs) when we look at other places that God kills, Mm -hmm. it's always like the whole, you can kill, but you can't murder. You can only kill when it brings life in some other way. So, uh, he takes them out of the garden because if they stayed in the garden and ate the tree of life, they would be stuck in death for the rest of existence. Hmm. Uh, the flood was because humanity had gotten to a point where they couldn't exist without destroying each other, mm-hmm. like completely. So he killed most of them. Uh, the Tower of Babel wasn't death, but it was definitely like spread out a lot mm-hmm. to stop them from ultimately killing themselves because they didn't have the capacity for what they were attempting to do. Yeah. And then Ananias and Sapphira too it would have probably hampered the spread of the gospel quite a lot if you had fraud in the church straight away. And so this could be something like that. Like in the midst of setting up these two systems so that the people of Israel could interact with God and stick to the the standards that God had for them, Ah. one of their leaders is like, I'm doing whatever I want, look at this incense, look at me, la 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 la. And God's just like, nope, get out. (laughs) Okay, so I think I understand. You're saying it's because of the moment in time when it happens and how it is when everything is being established that God wants to completely obliterate it. But if it happened later on, then the consequences may not have been nearly as bad. Definitely. I assume that the priests were not perfect in their interaction with God. Right throughout time and there were probably moments where god was just like are you serious i told you not to do that Hmm. but didn't necessarily kill them and if he did it's not on record yep and but there's these definitely um these little vox pops throughout history Mm -hmm. that god's like because this happened now i took him out would does that um what's the word i'm looking for resound with you like does that I think the, Feel- the, the modern word is resonate. Resonate. That's, that's exactly the word yeah. I was looking for. Does that yeah. resonate with you? It does resonate. It resonates like a gong. I, I like yeah, it. Yeah, gongs. Uh, I, yeah. I, I definitely I buy that explanation as to why things happen like that when they happen like that. Because we do see in books later on... Uh, where the Levites do something wrong. For example, in uh, towards the end of the book of Judges, there's a story of a Levite who goes to someone's house and says, hey, can you employ me as your personal priest? And the guy's like, yeah, here's my little household temple and my household idols, you can use them. And he's like, okay, sure. Spoiler alert, that's actually Moses' grandson. Um, when that happens... The consequences are ultimately death, but that is death that is brought about through their own actions, and it's just kind of uh, sowing the wind and reaping the whirlwind type of thing, like what is talked about in the New Testament. Whereas 
it is not fire falling from heaven and devouring him on the spot when he says yes to that yeah. job opportunity. Okay. So there is... Uh, all right. Yeah. No, that'll get me thinking. All I right. like that. Yep. I like that a lot. So, listeners, what do you think about that idea? Did God just act in this way and kill these people or do the Tower of Babel thing and all this other stuff at those particular moments because it was during the establishment of something that he wanted to be either long-lasting or everlasting? Or is God just mean? Those probably aren't your own option. Uh, your only options. You probably That's your option. only option. Is he mean <laughs> or does he kill people when he wants? <laughs> Scripture oh, read man. badly. Yeah. Classic. Uh, my name is Ryan. My name's Jeremy Barry Randall. And this has been ex uh, sorry, not Exodus. Praise the Lord, we're out of that book. Leviticus <laughs> chapters eight through ten, talking about Aaron and his sons and why things happened and how they happened. Uh, you can hear us in a few days' time when the next episode comes out. We'll be looking at more Leviticus and uh, picking out some topics that are great to discuss. You can also check out our Patreon, which is where you'll receive, uh, if you sign up as a scribe, which is a $2 a month uh, contribution, you will receive a bonus podcast episode every couple of weeks where we discuss in depth something along the lines of why God kills people and that type of thing, going in depth into a topic in our separate podcast called Scripture Discussed, which you can only find through this Patreon. Uh, all that to say, we love when you listen. We love when you interact with us on social media. We want to hear what you have to say. You can email us, scripture at gmail.com. Find us on all the social medias almost and have a good one, I guess. Yeah, any, get it done. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremy, do you have any closing advice for the listeners? Uh, yes. Just because your Apple phone temperature weather app tells you that it's pretty warm outside doesn't mean that it's pretty warm outside. So if you live in North Europe, maybe pack a jacket wherever you go for the next two months. And then you won't get sick. All right. Well, with that said, All right. see bon you next Tuna. time.